0: Welcome to the London Welsh Rugby Club podcast. This is episode 37. It has been an interesting week in London Welsh podcast land. Look, I commenced this little project as an opportunity for us to keep people engaged with the club during this pandemic and for our supporters to get to know more about the people who are connected with London Welsh. But last week, we had journalists using some of the podcasts as research for news articles and then linking the podcast episodes in their main article And the WRU and the rugby paper publishing a story on Will Taylor, which we have used as an opportunity to repost our episode and interview with Will. This is all great news for our club and the engagement with the podcasts. We're also getting requests to appear on the podcast from a vast array of individuals. And we will get to everyone. But the key thing, from my perspective, is to maintain a variety of guests between all the different eras of London Welsh, so we have a nice balance. Personally, I'm enjoying learning so much about the individuals connected to our club and will do my best to let their rugby story breathe through our conversation. I'm also loving the engagement on social media, so please keep that coming as I really do appreciate it. I have to pinch myself at times as I get to speak to people who have achieved so much in their life and genuinely appreciate their connection with the club. This week, our guest has gone on to win the Grand Slam with Wales as coach after commencing his union coaching career with London Welsh. He was a successful player in union and league and became a dual international after making his debut for Wales at the Arms Park versus England. Our guest this week is Clive Griffiths. Enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by London Welsh Developments. London Welsh Developments offer the entire range of services for all your home needs from plumbing Electrical, joinery, and building and maintenance. Their many years of experience building all forms of extensions and conversions, the odd new build, and some bespoke garden rooms and home offices. You will clearly see the attention to detail and an understanding of your home that is difficult to match. They really do care and want the best for your home, with no stone left unturned. For more information, contact London Wells Developments on 0208 335. 9123, or email on info at lwdltd.co.uk, London Welsh Developments. Welcome to the pod, former Wales dual international coach, London Welsh head coach and distinguished league and union international player, Clive Griffiths.
1: How are you, Clive? Very good, Gareth. Coping in the lockdown.
0: That's good to so hear. Yeah. We... You you look well, which, which is good. Look, I could have put all your teams in there, that, but it that would have been a ten minute introduction. So we'll come and speak about your rugby journey later. But this, more than ever, just want to know how was your Christmas and New Year? Kai, was it all right?
1: Yeah, it was it was different. Like like majority of people, um, you know, it was limited time with family. Um, you know, it went from five days to one day, so we had to cram everything in travel up to northeast where my uh, eldest boy reese is and see the grandchildren and then back down there uh, on, on the way back to syria other said owen was uh, in bolton so uh, it was a mad dash not to uh, upset too many policemen along the way and get uh, fined but uh, my eyes are good i tested them well and uh, on the journey so uh, yeah it did work
0: <laughs> you didn't drive to barnard castle then no
1: <laughs> no i didn't go back to barnard castle but i went past it yeah, so <laughs> I read the signs. And my eyes are
0: good. Good stuff. Because look, I said you look well. Because a couple of years ago, uh, some of our listeners will have understood that you had a heart attack and be, be wondering how you are. So I said you've looked well, but can you just let us know what happened? Because I'm, I'm right in thinking you were out jogging and you had some chest pains or something. And you did you ignore them or
1: something? Is that right? Well, to start with, no, it was no, it wasn't chest pains at all. Uh, this is uh, funny. I would went. Um, I had a, a sort of tight tightening between my shoulder blades and I thought it was a muscle spasm because I was running into a headwind at the time, um, I was halfway through my run uh, in the far corner of the big park and um, felt this um, sudden sort of tightness in between the shoulder blades so you know I, I stopped and uh, I, I started to try and stretch it off uh, but then I felt a little bit of tingling um, and I thought oh well this could be something more sinister. Looked around, nobody around, so I had a choice to fight or flight, as they say. Um, so I had to get on my horse and head back to the the flat. Where flat. Um, right upon I phoned the club doctor, give me a big serve on the yeah. <laughs> on the phone to you get yourself down to A now. And um, you know, one of the uh, residents in the, the block gave me um, a lift down to Doncaster Royal Infirmary. Uh, that was on the, the Friday evening. I always went for a run on Friday night, just to, you know, the week is done, the preparations done now, looking forward to the game uh, as it was against Hartbury next day. And um, I find myself on a Friday night all wide up for sound, injections going in and scans and this, that and the other. And next thing I'm on, um, ITU. So, um, yeah, it was an interesting experience. And then, of course, from there, um A few days later, I had a stent fitted in one of the arteries, which was a little bit blocked. So it worked, I'm back to uh, full health. I was back quite quickly, actually, maybe too quickly. And um, I'm back training, not like I did before. Uh, Got to reduce the, the intensity of it. But back to keep things ticking over and that's what they make you do. And yeah, I feel fine. I'm just ready to go again now after this enforced um, break in the game.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. uh, Well, we're all are, aren't we, in a way? But am I right in thinking, though, you you didn't ring Mrs Griffiths or let her know till the day afterwards?
1: Correct. Correct. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. There's there's a couple of things when you look back (laughs) at how dull you were. First of all, I should have asked somebody's help as I I passed him in the park as I walked home. Um, But I I was envisaging, you know, um, an ambulance flying across these fields towards me with a flashing blue light and then you know, going into hospital in my kit and uh, no phone with me, nothing like that. So I decided to take it step by step. One small step for mankind, as I say, and get back to the, the digs. And uh, that's what I did. Um, I didn't want to bother anybody at the time until I knew exactly what it was. By the time I knew what it was, it was late into the evening and uh, going into the early hours. And so I thought, well, let him sleep and worry him tonight and have to travel overnight. So I phoned first thing in the morning. Yeah,
0: but you've made up now, yeah.
1: Yeah, we have made up now. <laughs> Again, another so I had a, I had a big bollocking after the, uh, after the doctor, and then my wife and she. when did you tell me last night? And I uh, well, didn't know till later on. And uh, yeah, it, that's that's how it is. That's how it was. And uh, wide up for the sound, when you came in.
0: And, but look, all in, all in working order now, and back back to yeah. health, but just uh, just looking after yourself, that's, which is great to hear and great to see so look, should we just start with your background and your incredible journey? Because, you know, you, you have been involved in rugby uh, for probably 50 years, really, um, all, all in all, which is unbelievable. But you're brought up in Penclouth, which is near the Gower, and your parents ran a pub. Is that right? Yeah, that's where you were brought, brought up.
1: Yeah, um, in a stone's throw of, of each village, I was born in Lecha, right next to Lecha Rugby Club, the start. Then we went down to, my parents went down to uh, Crofty and owned the Crofty Inn. And from there, then moved up just up the road to Pencloud, to the Shipping Castle, which was the headquarters of um, Pencloud RFC. So you, you couldn't fail, really. You were you, you immersed in it. Um, you know, every Tuesday, Thursday, the boys used to come in after training for a shandy or a bit, something a bit stronger, maybe. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Saturdays, match days, you know, you, you either had the seconds, thirds or... Youth at home, so the place was chock a block again. Saturday and going into the evening, of course. So f- Wednesday, it was darts nights. So it was, it was full on, really. You know, you you were just immersed in it. You couldn't fail. So, but, so uh, yeah.
0: yeah, So Sorry. from an early age, you're you, you were around rugby. Mm-hmm. But I suppose where were you able to play? Because in
1: that in, in
0: that in those days, did they have mini rugby or, was, or 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 primary school rugby, or did you have to wait till you're 11 or 12 and start playing in secondary school?
1: That's right. Yeah, I, I went up to, to Galton Golden Grammar School. Um, and then my first mentor, Robert Evans, um, and then Lindsay Lewis, who were pre-teachers there, who put me on the pathway. But my dad was always the main man in my life, of course. And he, you know, he, he encouraged me from the early age. Um, the Pink Love Rugby Club was a two-minute jog from, my, from the Shippen Castle to, to the field. And I used to go up there and do my training in my own little fantasy league and played for Wales when I was seven and eight, you know, things like that. And then of course the shipping Castle had a big garden as well, so that turned into everything from rugby pitch to football to test cricket to Wimbledon. Everything was played in that garden. So you know that's what it was in those days. You know, you know we didn't have these computer games or anything like that now, and uh, it was all sport. And of course in Wales it's rugby. You know, uh, yes we've got other sports, but rugby is uh, is our. Is our main focal point, and uh, everybody wanted to play for Wales. You know, anybody with any ambition with, a, with the oval ball wanted to play for Wales. That was no different.
0: So from, the, from playing around in the pub, that sort of thing, you then go to secondary school and start yes. playing rugby. So what was that pathway then to get into that, to start training with Llanelli? So from like, you know, did you have any sort of, um, were you playing for a club as well at the weekend, or is it just school rugby?
1: Well, what I, played, I played for um, the school in the morning, on Saturday morning. Uh, later on, and then, you know, we, we showered and then most of us went and played for our youth teams. So we play in the morning for the school and we go and play for Pen Cloud Youth in the afternoon. And uh, that's how it was. Uh, and then Sunday, we'd, we'd meet up on the wreck, Pen Cloud Rec, as they called it. We play touch and pass. which <laughs> was just just rugby mad. But, uh, you know, Gowden was a, 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 a famous uh, rugby school. And um, you know, we we had some ding-dong battles with Cleffi Graham, Heath Graham, and all those. So you know, the early the early years I wasn't in the team and gradually got a bit better over the years with more practice. And eventually then I was spotted when I got picked for um for Wales Schools. And we played we played at Strategy against Wales youth and spotted there. And I was asked to go down to train with Cleffi at the age of 17. I was studying for my A level. So um, never forget he going on the field with Caroline. Took me out uh, on the field there on the back. In those days, you had the old telephone lamps, uh, posts, sorry, uh, wooden posts with one lamp on them. <laughs> there were three or four there and uh, put me through my paces. Never forget it. It was just me around that field there. Ethereal ball in the air, rolling the cross, had sidestep swerve. And then I was asked to train um, more consistently with them. And I did that when I was in school, studying for a levels. And well, while I was in Golden Grammar School, um, when I reached the age of 18, I played my first senior game against Bath for the Ragdoll at Straddy. So I made my debut, um, and the boys in school could to watch me. That's didn't amazing. Me
0: what, a, what an amazing thing! because actually I saw the Ragdoll, because the Scarlets played Bath uh, prior to Christmas, didn't they, I think? And can you just explain to our listeners what the Ragdoll is, if they don't know?
1: Well, it's a, it's a trophy, an official trophy, which are two clubs. I don't know how about it, how it came about, but um, the historical side of it, but it, actually the two clubs play for this for years and years, and it's, it's tied up onto the crossbar um, before the game, and the winning captain then is hoisted shoulder high and um, takes it down at the end for, for, the, for victory. So um, it's for the winners, really, and that's what they play for. Not playing for the Ashes or anything like that, but right, doll. <laughs> really, uh, I, I like this. It. Unique, very unique, uh, and I'm really glad that some of those traditions have been maintained in the professional era. Yeah,
0: no, it's great, good. But you're 18, playing for playing for Nestle against Bath. So, what what's how many people are watching that game?
1: Oh well, you know Nestle. Oh well, you're talking eight to ten thousand. You know, well, You know, it's, it's a. It was a heck of an experience and uh you know chico hopkins in ninth playing scrum half you know Phil Bennett you know Derry quinnello tell me you just go on maybe. and I'm going bring me up Scotty it's just happening to me you know uh actually happening it just like I give a sense it was over in a flash when you look back at it it's just it's so surreal that you were on the field with those players that you were down on watch and shout for and support you know, I used to travel down by bus to Leslie and pick my mate, My mate Steve Lewis and he was a fanatic. We were in Gown together, and um, we go down and uh, and watch watch the Scarlets. We also go watch Swansea as well. It was a bit easier to get to, but we used to watch these guys, and uh, and next thing you're on the field with them. You know, oh, wow. it's all the stuff isn't it exactly but so
0: how nervous would a young Clive have been at that time then you you, you was it, you just like were you just so young and it happened so quickly you didn't have time to think about it or what happened
1: you thought about the week obviously and there were definitely nerves I'm sure but uh looking back to a long long time now you just you just did it it was it was something that you worked for um these guys were idols of yours you know they, Majority was in the Welsh set British Lions. It was, uh, it was, it was unbelievable. And they were amongst them. And uh, Andy Hill, still a great friend. And, you know, people like that, Selwyn Williams, was also, that. you know, they, they, these guys, it just helped you along later on. And, you know, the late JJ Williams is fantastic with me down there, because, you know, we both went to Cardiff College, which is now Cardiff Met. So he related to me with that. Um, and, and and Phil Bennett as well. You know, he used to take me out uh, out on the field and put, pump the balls up in the air to me and things like that. And it was great. It, it was uh, well, it, it, it's it's dreams come true. Yeah, it dreams is. Come true. And, you know, and all that all that work you did up on the wreck, you know, in the early years and when you train on your own, it it paid dividends.
0: No magical memories. So you talk about university day. So after sort of sixth form and you just you just started playing netley. You said you went to Cardiff. So, what were you studying? Because obviously rugby was amateur in those days. So you had to get a profession. So you went to uni. Did you play rugby for the uni, or did you carry on playing for Swansea?
1: No, I played for I played for for Cardiff College. Uh, they had a very very good fixture list. They just play pe- like to like play people like Cardiff, Regent. You know, later you away, and oh, that was a toughie on a Wednesday night. You know, they had um, a real tough fixture list. Of course, you know, if we play Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, so we play in the silver ball as it was then, you know, against people like Pontypool United and, um, and, and um, Bliner, Chaff tough, tough games. So you had a good schooling, you know, it, it was, it was tough, you know, and I, I played for Pen Cloud in, in the West Wales Leagues. Uh, so I was, I was fairly well used to the, you know, the rigours of it and the intensity of it and toughness of, 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 of of the West Wales game, and then, you know, to transfer that to East Wales, it was quite an easy transition, but um, it was still, you know, a good learning curve again, and you, you couldn't take your eyes off the ball, otherwise you were flat and do as simple as that. So it was a great schooling for me, but then, you know, during vacation times then, i go back and I'd, um, I'd play for something else. So, so One of the big games, of course, Gareth, was Boxing Day against London Welsh. Ah, uh, yeah, the old <laughs>
0: Yeah. So you played against London yeah. Welsh, did you yeah at Boxing Day?
1: Yeah I did Boxing Day packed full house. But imagine it was like, you know, because Leonard Welsh in those days. You know, packed, you know, JPR Williams, uh, you know, he, he, you know, it was and of course he was uh, he was he was sort of a role model for me. You know, that's you know he was much bigger than me in stature. You know, I thought, well, if I can just, you know, emulate parts of his game. And he obviously, you know, he he started off the you know, the running fullback type of game that's uh, uh, you know so prevalent these days, and which I wanted to do. Um, so you know, to play against these guys, you know, both at at Stradi and Oldia Park is again, you know, it's, it's a fantastic dream, um, and you know memories you never forget.
0: No, brilliant stuff. So you graduate from Cardiff, and then. Was a teacher training in Cardiff you did, Clive,
1: yeah? I did physical education and uh, history as well. So those were my two main subjects. Uh, You had a number of secondary subjects, but those were my two main. I always wanted to teach. I always wanted to coach. Um, And then from there, then I had my first job down at Lladysil Grammar School. Um, So, you know, it was... um, uh, another extension of your career then. And of course then I would play for full time from that point on.
0: Well, full time whilst teaching, I suppose. So it's obviously amateur yeah. day. So you're just tra- training in the evening and then playing on yeah. weekend, yeah?
1: Well, I mean, full time, of course, yeah. when I was at college, it was back and forth during, during holidays. But now, you know, I was there lock, stock and barrel, you know, training every sort of uh, every week with, with the club and progressing that way. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a fantastic time, um, you know, travelling down from Tlandersil the train and then be with all those guys again. And then, you know, you started to get serious then, but you started, you know, to get noted a little bit. Uh, you're in a great side, so that helped your progress. But you still had to put the hard yards in and uh, do the extra training, the extras. And, of course, you know, with all those international players around you, you really couldn't fail. If you, if you kept your head down and, and kept working hard and believing in your own ability, then, you know, you, you were going to improve. But obviously, of course, like, any,
0: and, like any child or person growing up in Wales that want to play for Wales, you're playing for a strong side, you know, so your aspirations would be to try and get a, a Welsh cap you had people like jpr williams because it's the 70s now and Wales are such a strong side didn't they so it's like you know you'd have to be extra extra special to, to get a cap really because they didn't give them away in those days did they that you had to earn your cap so tell us a story about your that your first cap and how, how many games you were in attendance and without getting a cap really well it was the it was the first season
1: really um and uh uh, we, we were training at, at, at um at uh, Sophia Gardens and at, at the end of the training session, um John Dawes came up to me and uh, he handed me a letter and I looked at him and I said, What's You come into Scotland as a substitute? Well, you know, I was I was floated sort of thing, you know, and uh, and of course I would be understudied to study the JPI, but I was also covering wing as well. Um to be able to study the JPR uh, was was unbelievable, of course. And then to be training with him as well in the same squad and, and learning from shoulder to shoulder, um, you know, just just had so much more. And of course, then it was um, a very famous day where, um, you know, you see JPR go down. He didn't get a tough stick. You know, he never got injured. You know, Remember that horrific incident with the All Blacks, you know, when his face was ripped open. Um, he was stood on. And he ran off and, you know, got the stitches back in his face. And next thing, he's back on the field. You know, we never heard of it in those days. Um, GPR gets injured. So there were a couple of those little incidents where I ran down and, you know, there were false alarms. But then I see GPR limping off. I was told to go down. I'm running downstairs to the... Uh, the room and Gary um, Lewis was there and he went JPR looked at me at you're on! I looked at his calf and he was as if somebody taking a standing knife to it. Um, and I realised then, this is serious. You're on, you're going to play football, you're going to get your cap, oh, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Your nerves, your nerves are, are jangling and your, your head's going, he's in a spin and... Uh, and we could joke about it since then. But and J.P. I grabbed him by the arm and he went, "Go out there now and play a normal game." So I did. I missed my first tackle. <laughs> well, West Rugby Union was so impressed by that they made me defence coach years later. So that's <laughs> about that. But then he did. He gave me some advice and he was, he went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." But quickly rubbed the old liniment on and I just ran on the field. So, so, so on the field. Quick question on that one. It?
0: Because it's, cause obviously it's such, such a bizarre thing like obviously in those days you'd, Wales would be down to 14 men JPR's gone down to the physio room you've gone down to see if he's okay so it, this is like probably five minutes of the game where there's you'd be, Wales would be down to 14 men probably is that right? 3-3
1: three, three. Three, 3 points a piece piece at a time
0: Yeah
1: well, and You couldn't have gone in, in it's a triple crown game yeah. against England <laughs> full out first cap <laughs> you know, there's a good chunk of the game to go, 30 odd minutes to go and it's 3-3 and you're going, oh, I must be first tackling. But, you know, one thing, you know, we tried, stay in the game, stay in the game. You know, my dad used to say, stay in the game, don't let it, you know, affect you. But, you know, you're a young kid and you've gone from, from this, this school level all the way through now to, you know, to this, this moment, your dream. And there you are, waiting on the touchline to be called on by the the referee. And you run on, as a a big cheer. Um, Looked at the sky to see my dad, because he passed away by then. And uh, it was one of those, again, one of those moments, you know, which uh, make films about. On I went, and I guess the rest is history. Couldn't have started off worse, but then the magic moment came. And... um, was it was um, part of a fantastic try by uh, by Elgin Reese. Pinched it nine, but there we are.
0: So it was three three with JPR goes off, Clive comes on, and Wales <laughs> beat England, yeah?
1: Well, by record score, it was twenty seven yeah. three. It was a record score. I only touched the ball all three times. Anyway, I tell I tell, I tell them all it doesn't come to me anyway. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but that <laughs> I'm alright. <laughs> <laughs> but right thinking, that's your one and only cap, isn't it? Right, yeah, 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 because um, you promised your dad you'd get a cap for Wales, right? And obviously, yeah. sadly, he didn't see you play for Wales. Mm. And then you'd been courted by rugby league prior to your cap for Wales. Why mm. had rugby league become an attraction for you, or why would you know why were they after you, Clive? Because you know, surely, you, if you'd have stayed, you could have had many more caps for Wales potentially.
1: Well, they, they they came they came when I was eighteen, um, and I think uh, Roy Mathias, who was actually when I went down there, was then signed by Saint Helens, and he, you know he was in the know. And were, uh, sorry, Saints were looking for um, a replacement for Jeff who was retiring, so they were looking round Melbourne union. And then of course, you know, I had the running game, so I was a goal kicker as well. and That's what Jeff was. Okay, for saying, so, they wanted a, a two-in-one sort of replacement, uh, the player and the goal kicker. So um, when uh, when I was eighteen, uh, they came in, and uh, but I was out, and they came to actually came down to Penclough and knocked on the door. Um, and you know, my dad uh, was very courteous to him but said, he's, you know he's going to Cardiff College. Um, he's got ambitions to play for his country." And because um, I played for Wales schools then, so I was on I was on the sort of pathway, if you like, not guaranteed of course, Gareth, because you know a lot of players play for Wales schools and don't go on. But yeah, I was noted sort of thing, and it was in I couldn't have been in the better academy in Cardiff College, which produced so many great international players over the years, from from Gareth to JJ to you, you name and John Debs. You, you go through it; it's a massive list. Um, so I, I was there ready to, to take off on this, to launch my career. So, um, and then to become a qualified teacher as well. So you know, we, we turned it down, and, uh, but they came back then when I was selected for, for Wales B in those days, uh, which now was, went on to Wales A. But again you know, I turned it down. And of course, when I had my cap, they, they came in again. So I didn't go immediately. I, I went to, to South Africa, with Ashley. I, did, I went to meet them, but I, I didn't. I didn't sign. I went internationally, and when I uh, started to South Africa, and when I came back, they came back in again with an improved offer, and I thought, well, here we go, in for a penny, in for a pound, and that's how, that's that's the story of it. It was just purely down to the amount know, money of they offered at the time. And it that's, changed my life.
0: No, that's of course it did. You know, all, all these moments. Here, but, but that was just, was that a tough decision though for you at the time? I know it's like it's a financial gain. But you turned down the opportunity to win more caps for Wales. Did you, did you think there were a lot more coming, or was it you just realized actually, you know, the security of your family was just more important than that, really?
1: Well, sort of, don't I like say that you know, I was I was, so the heir apparent of JPR then, of course, because I'd sat on the bench, you know, I'd been nurtured through, you know, and he was retiring. I played or taken over. It was it was it was there for me sort of thing. But the, the big thing about the Gath was that um, when I was at Wetland Islet, I was I was in charge of, of of swimming there. I was helping out in the PE department. I was also taking rugby because uh, purely because of the you know the uh, the friendship I had with Ken Evans, the PE teacher there. It's not what I really wanted, but I just wanted a, a PE job. I couldn't couldn't get one because maybe because I'm good enough. But what they were saying to me was that, you know, I need to be there with the teams on Saturday morning. I couldn't get the jobs. I mean, I had interviews all around, uh, you know, three or four interviews and it, it was frustrating me. Um, I just couldn't get that job. But then of course, when, when this offer came, well, uh, in the end it was just, I mean, I remember going to see Di Watkins and asking his advice. and. You know, we he you uh, turned this down and it it, it was it was it, it was extremely difficult. Anybody who's gone will tell you, no matter how many caps you've got, um, it is still extremely difficult to leave the country of their birth and to to leave the opportunity to play for your country. Um yes, it was Wales rugby league, of course. And of course, you know, Welsh Rugby Union is you know is up on up on a pedestal there, you know, and that's if you play for Wales then you know you it's, it's a fantastic uh, honour. And that's so you see it.
0: That's very understandable, that. But what was the reaction like in Wales? Because was there many people, or were there many people who would have left Wales at that time to go and play rugby league? So it was this like a well-trodden path? Or were you one of the first few to to, to do that?
1: It, it, it wasn't... Uh, there wasn't many who signed. Chris Seldon, ex-Ponte back rower, he'd just signed for St Helens. he just come up. And... Um, and then you know, the next big sign, I think, was Terry, Terry Holmes. Um, and then sort of because Wales were doing well, you know, people weren't, you know, weren't signing. But then of course it all changed later on. Um, and we had a sort of a, an exodus of players coming up uh, when, I was, when I was actually coaching Wales. But it, it wasn't, it wasn't a constant stream. It was just a now and again thing, you know, and people um, People made made their own decisions about where they want to go. Because at the time, of course, you know, if anybody's watched Codebreakers, they, they understand um, the program Code Breakers, you understand the the difficulties and and what we what you were going to face if you did sign in those days. You're, you're a naughty boy. Simple as that. You know, and there's a lot of doors that were, were closing your face. So you had to weigh that up as well. I, I knew you know, that this was going to, to happen. But the magnitude of it, I didn't really grasp, I don't think, until it all happened. And then when, you know, you were asked to leave the stand at standard, for example, you know, because you'd signed for St. Helens, you know, a team that you played against, played for, sorry, just a matter of months earlier. But because you'd signed for rugby league, you were not welcome anymore, as I was told. So that, that, that thing, you know, unfortunately, yeah. those days are now well in the dark past. You know, there's a shoddy a shoddy episode in our rugby history. And 100%. Not just because it happened to me or all the others, but because of, it was wrong. Yeah. End of. And of. As I keep saying again, a lot of people have used this. People ask me, what was the only difference? What's the difference between rugby union and rugby league? And I used to say at the time, rugby league players pay tax <laughs> okay That's it. yeah of course in 1995 it all changed yeah and, and this rugby, rugby league went went northern union in 1895 100 years later and of course rugby union uh, became open and well, again, the rest is down to school.
0: And there's and there's now now it is. There's probably more money in union now than there is league, and so um, you know, so it, it's uh, people would probably the the path usually is from rugby league to rugby union, really, for people to oh. uh, pursue f- uh, bigger financial gains. But look, we can talk about lots of things. There's podcasts <laughs> in a lot of detail. But look, you were at St Helen's for seven years, but I'm right in thinking you were you were still a teacher. Uh, so were you a semi-pro player at the time? Is that is that how you looked at it, or were you a professional player yeah. and a, and a...
1: Yeah. semi-pro? Gareth, working at uh, at Cowley School in St Helens, a great rugby school. Um, again, another great mentor of mine, Ray French. Um, you know, ex um, England forward, St Helens and Widnes, and then we came on to, of course, be the voice of rugby league commentator. Yeah. Um, he was a great influence on me, a great help, and he still is. He still asks great advice now, you know, from studying things. So, uh, indebted to a lot of people in St Helens for making my, my life a lot easier when I came up and pointing me in the right direction.
0: So, whilst you played for St Helens, you also got some, you were capped for, for International honors of playing rugby league. But when did you start like coaching rugby? Because I suppose you've been coaching a lot because you're teaching and body coaching youth sides, but when did you start coaching senior rugby at rugby league level, where, where did you do that?
1: Um, well, that was the first the first job I had of coaching was going back to St. Helens. Uh, we get, we're still semi-pro because I was working in the P, P department at Cowley School. Um, I was then asked to come along by Alex Murphy and, and uh, do the fitness for Saints and some skills work. Um, Alex was fantastic. Together yeah, with Dave Chisnell, great legends of the game. You know, they just let me carry on, and I just, you know, I ran my own race. And we it was a great ground for me to start my my coaching career at St. Helens, particularly with legends such as Alex Murphy. And we had some good success. And then after two years with Alex, I, you know, I went on to become assistant coach at Warrington uh, with Tony Barrow. Um, Another great team up north. And then Tony went to Leftwood Oldham. I stayed at Warrington and I stayed there for eight years with and, and formed a great friendship and partnership with uh, Brian Johnson, who you now sadly passed away. And we had eight great seasons in that time. A large number of Welsh lads Alan Bateman, Jonathan Davis, Kevin Ellis, Roland Phillips, you know, Justin Harris, Justin Lee was there. Um, or missed anybody out there. And, <laughs> you know, they came and we we had, we had some stellar seasons, you know. Uh, so, um, and at that time, then I was obviously going on to, to coach Wales from Great Britain at that time. So it, it all snowballed then. And um, I took the courses in rugby league, and uh, the coaching courses to get qualified. Phil Lada then was the uh, director of coaching at Rugby Football League. And again, he'd been a great help over the years, another one, so... Some great people helping me along the way, whether it was playing or coaching, and uh, and way of life in the north, of course, because that's slightly different, um, with a huge amount of similarities. So,
0: when did you when did you retire then and focus on your coaching? Did you retire like quite early on, or did you because uh, you played for quite a number of years rugby league, didn't you? Like eight I or nine did, years, yeah. yeah of
1: course, uh, but I, I had this really bad injury, symphysis pubis, and everybody's uh, that was. It's it's a pubic injury a um, pelvic bone and it's a kicker's injury and it, it really gripped me badly. Um, uh, you know, I was in pain kicking the ball and things and it, it required surgery. Um, I didn't actually have the surgery. I went to have some rehabilitation, but I was out for a considerable time. And you know, there's times when you think, well, you know, there was. My dad always used to say to me, "You'll know when it's time to finish." And there's one night in training. I was 32 years of age. Um and we were training down on Astroturf in was it Salford at the time? It's gone to Salford. Um I I said, well, I think it's time now because I, I wasn't enjoying it. Anybody knows me. If if, if I say I'm not enjoying rugby, there's I've been wrong. Be <laughs> so um it was it was just the time. And I think that's advice that I give to anybody, you know, any player you'll know, you're gonna get down periods, but it, it, it's different, Gareth. It's a different feeling, it's a different. He said to me you, you know it's a different feeling and, and it was it was what am i doing here now it's, it's time to move on to something else and you know that's what i did then i just decided to go relevant on, on the coaching side of it so you obviously- i had to take the take i had to keep the t junction there was either education continuation of or let's try another let's go into this lock stock and bar on the coaching so that's where he decided to go i went left <laughs> so so, but
0: you obviously coached league for quite a long time so when did you start coaching union because I'm only thinking you had a period at Triorchy as well as coaching union um, was that when Lynn Jones was a player at Triorchy yeah. was it Yeah. <laughs> there's, it was so many, there's so many connections yeah. to London Welsh everywhere isn't there really
1: oh, no, unbelievable yeah but I was coaching course rugby union at Cowley School because Cowley was a rugby union school right. so I never lost a link with rugby union at all and you know Liverpool St Helens now it was it was St Helens at the time just down the road from us, across the road from me, I used to go and play there. You know, later on in life, uh, played on the fourth team um, under an assumed name because you obviously know, <laughs> couldn't supposed to be doing it. But every every local team at North was full of rugby, extra rugby league players, enjoying a bit of rugby. So that was, that was another great part. And an extra neighbor, Paul, he was captain down there. So uh, he was, you know, so it, he was immersed in it all the time. But um, I never lost t- t- touch with Rugby Union, of course. But then um, the big thing was, um, going back to He was the first one. Came back from the Lions Tour in, uh, in 1996. And the South Wales team I was coaching, rugby league team, I'd, I'd just I'd gone under, you know, and um, left for a job. And Kevin Ellis and Roland were at, uh, at Triarkey at the time. I had a, chat, I had a word with Lynn, because he never a backs coach. So I went down, met Lynn, and... We hit it off straight away. Loved it. Went down to Yorkie for half a season. And at the end of that season, then a the big decision came, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, 1997, Ulster or uh, London Welsh. Yeah. And I uh, went over to Ulster, flew over from Liverpool, John Lennon Airport. Took me an hour and a half to get the ground, unbelievable. And, um, yeah, I was offered a job. And then, and the Welsh came in as well, and the sides a good to, go to park. It's because That's fascinating,
0: because the, the following year, also in the Hanneken Cup, didn't they? Um...
1: See, see the effect they people? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but look, you made the right decision. You know you did, Clive. You made the right decision. But, but what was going through your mind at the time? Because, you know, because obviously you made your base since Helens. And that's been your family home, you know, uh, yes. since you first got there, you know, that area, I mean. Um, and then you've travelled to all the all the different roles you've you've um, you've done since then. But this is you know these are big decisions in life now. Sliding doors, Ulster or London Welsh? Why come to Welsh?
1: Um, because I met Calvin, met Calvin, and Bill carry Evans was there as well, and he we met with Kelvin. I sat down with Kelvin, and um, he he won me over straight away. His vision, his passion, and his commitment, his honesty. Um, great, great lesson to everybody. Great lesson. Um, you know, and I'm indebted to to Kelvin for what he's put in there over the years. You know, um, and Absolutely indebted to him, uh, and I, you know, without Kelvin um, taking me there and without London Welsh, I, my, my coaching career wouldn't progress the way it did. Absolutely. Um, you know, the club needed to rebuild. It, was, it wasn't in the best place they wanted it to be, uh, so there was uh, uh, an influx of, of uh, revenue to the club which had to, we had to use wisely, a budget. Um, and I knew Cal of the long haul. And he explained, uh, you know, what he, his vision was. Um, and he deserves every ounce of credit for being the backbone of that club for, for many, many years. Um, and, you know, he's... Ian he and, and, and his, his lovely wife, Pat, who has sadly left us now. Um, great, great friends. And to this day, I always keep in touch with Kelvin because of the respect I have for the man. And that's what he was. You, you, couldn't, be, you couldn't fail to be impressed by, by Kelvin. Um, and, of course, backed up by the rest of those lads as well.
0: No, no, so you, that's great to hear that. And obviously, uh, you've heard the podcast with Kelvin and he speaks highly of you. And that, that timing is how Glenda Welsh were playing at, I think, level three, which is Juice of National One. Uh, and the ambition was to be a professional side. So you brought a few rugby league players to play union for the club. People like Roland, Andy Currier, Scott Roskill. You know, what What was the rationale behind bringing those players to union? Were, were they good value at the time, or or good value and Stardust that we needed?
1: Oh but you've you've, you've, you've hit on the head there. You know, they, they were high profile players. Some. People never heard of them in down south, you know. Uh, they were interested in rugby league. Who were these guys coming in, Soon found out who they were. You know, soon realised that they was, you know, Andy Curry was uh, was out of this world for us. Um, you know, big, six plus six foot plus big man, fast, um, aggressive, just run through a brick wall, could run around you, run through you. You know, then Scott Rossborough came from Broncos and partnered with him as well. I also later on got Telson Tollett. I even had Bobby Golden train with us to see if he could, you know, try out with us. Um, but around, not just around then. <clears throat> you needed you needed that rugby union house as well, and that's where my Roland came in. Um, and Darren Edwards, I went for Darren, who was at Saracen at the time, not really getting look looking. So, eight, nine, partnership, captain, coach, um, players, you all had to you know integrate together and you know to make a good side you need you need obviously good players but you need need leaders of orchestra and you know you had Andy Tucker at the time another fantastic Leonard Welshman and he, he and Roland worked hand in hand one club one was the club captain the other was the on-field captain um so we worked hand in hand and it was a it was a very successful merger of every, everybody together you know, we were in it together. became a team in every sense of the word. Um, and as time went on, I was able to recruit these guys. But these guys had a little bit of uh, sparkle to us um, and they could do something out of nothing. As, as people saw, you know, you were you, were, you know, a try down or punch down with a minute to go and we'd run from our own goal line and the next time we are put in the ball at the end of the post. It was so exciting to watch. But you know, these guys could do it and they had the confidence to do it, you know, Gareth?
0: Yeah, well, Currie and Roscoe were, were, were great in that first season because you're know, looking at the tries they scored. They scored 22 and 23 tries, respectively. And Welsh promoted along with Worcester, Leeds and Rugby Lions. So, you know, what a great, successful first season for you and the players. So what were your sorts of key memories of that first season at our ODP, Clive?
1: I remember the first game, I asked, uh, um, it was at Wharfdale away. I remember Rowland saying to me, where's Wharfdale? <laughs> I said New Yorkshire somewhere Dales he said Emmerdale no I said you <laughs> know what it was so we, we racked up and then the Welsh had been there the last game of the previous season and took an absolute thump in, but didn't but had survived that season um, through results elsewhere so we went back with this new team if you like uh, Steve Program was another signed um, Played for England A so, you know, we had... And Luke Jones came from, from Richmond, a, gr- a really great number seven for us. So, you know, we had, we had, we had specialism, I could say, an experience in every single department. And we had Martin Giro could catch pinchers on one wing, you know. Um, so we went up there and we gave him a, a bit of a tune-in. Again, 40 points. We turned it right round. But I remember that first game because I was sat on the wall at the back and it was a big stone wall. And, uh, you know... It, it was, it was a real village sort of atmosphere, sizable crowd on, and um, we played some fantastic stuff and it, it, set, it, it set the tone for what was gonna be an outstanding season for us. And that's the way we, we played. You know, we used Andy Curry, right? we used Roland, right? Roland picking up at the base of a scrum was, was, was hard to stop. You know, and peeling off of, of a mall was hard to stop. So, you know, we used, used them in the right way in the right time. And, you know, it all, it all came together. And we had a real stellar season. There's
0: a great uh, video on YouTube, actually, of all the tries of that season. I think um, it's about one and a half hours long. <laughs> well, it's called the tries that the Welsh scored. But, uh, yeah, you, you do see that those those characters in there. Because you, know, you talk to Ted Wynn, and Ted Wynn believes Andy Currier is the best player in the modern era has played for London Welsh. And he's the fastest London Welshman to, to 50 tries. And he did that in only 72 appearances. Yeah. Andy Currier. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Well, that, that's why he wasn't um, up on his luck at the time back in league. And, um, you know, I, I got him released from his contract and, you know, he, he just took it up to water. You I mean, he needed to, to, to understand some of the basics of it, particularly where he got tackled and what he had to do. But he was uh, he was phenomenal. And, um, and we've kept in touch ever since. And he always reminisces about those, those great days. And no stats back it up you know, why yeah. you, you're saying people. Of course, I say, Scott wasn't far behind him. And them two in the middle. And we went down to Worcester and then took Worcester's ground record. You know, they, they just cut him to pieces, Worcester, and that year. And um it was a, it was a fantastic event that, that year. And we went up, obviously, that year with Worcester.
0: And you, you also, I suppose, had a decent cup run that year as well, or a run of sorts, because you, you played Waterloo. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. this, Clive. You were 10 points down with 80 minutes on the clock. How do you win that, then? How do you win that, then?
1: <laughs> well, um, it's a good play and enchanting your arm because, you know, you just can't drop into um, a, um, sort of a fluid game of rugby, an open game, an offload game, a uh, recycling game, just like that. It, it, it takes practice. It takes week, week after week practice. We knew how to play catch-up rugby if you wanted to. We knew how to play attractive rugby. Um, we, would, and they, they, we scored a try, I remember it, and we, we just needed another try to score. And I'll never forget it this day now. I can see it in front of me in the dugout. So Waterloo, uh, uh, the next play the game's over, Waterloo have, have kicked off, but they kicked it short. And they kicked it to Roland Phillips. Short to Roland. Well, off he went on his past run, and we had a guy called Ashley Johansson, a big second row from Australia, who loved running with the ball. He came on the second play. Came off the bench, fresh as a daisy, gone straight through, bang, 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 bang. Jamie Reynolds, I can see it now, died over in the corner. Well, the place erupted. Absolutely erupted. It was, I can still see it now. Nigel Reese, who was fantastic, another fantastic help to me at the World, even on top of me, <laughs> knocking <laughs> me to the ground. And uh, those moments were always, it does anything you you, you know, you you remember. Um, and, and afterwards in the club, everybody was so delighted. You know, we just uh, we pulled off a giant cannon act. You know, and um, it was uh, yeah, it was one of those special moments.
0: Well, those last minute victories. You know, imagine you know the choir be singing in the in in, in the pagoda room and all that. But you had Gloucester afterwards, didn't you? So you had to play Gloucester yeah. at home, and the, the weather was a bit uh, challenging, wasn't it? I think.
1: Yeah, it suited them a bit more. We give them like a bit of a goal, but. Um, uh, you know, they, they came through strongly at the end and um, were very complimentary about the way we played. And um, I think moving on to the next year, I think the next year we played Northampton, didn't we? In the fo- the fo-
0: I think though know, that you played Northampton, uh, I think, in your know, third After season. Third season But look, in the second second year at London Welsh, you know, we've just been promoted. So people think like it's survival, but not actually for London Welsh. You finished fourth behind Bristol, rather and Worcester, so it's not bad for a team just been promoted, is it? To be in that's the second tier of um, of rugby. That was it's called Allied Dunbar Premiership Two or something, wasn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: it was, yeah, Premiership Two. But yeah, some so, great
0: great players there who started their career that season. You know, somebody who got seventy caps for Wales and his dad played for us. Who was that then? Tom. Um, Tom.
1: Oh, Tom Shanklin, good God. <laughs> i think the debut against Exeter. Exeter, they finished below us. Exeter that year. Of course, Shank said, oh, I forget him. He was like a beanpole. So I played him on the wing against Exeter. He scored a hat-trick. <laughs> played him.
0: Well, his first game?
1: Yeah, he scored a hat-trick. Really? I forget. It.
0: Yeah. So did, he did he have just one season with us before going to Saracens? Is that what happened? Yeah,
1: yeah I was just disappointed with that. But look, um, it was good for him. Um, and can't, can't knock anybody for for doing that. So, you know, he, he went there. We had a long chat with, um, with Jim about it, but, you know, they made their minds up. And, you know, to be fair, he's gone on to great things. So it was, it was a, an important part of his development as well. But, yeah, he cut his teeth at Old Ava Park and, and followed his dad into the famous red shirt. And um, he did something his dad didn't do, score a hat-trick in his debut for the
0: that's no, amazing. Actually, I've just finished reading the, the book um on Exeter, you know, on their and their rise, which has been quite interesting, actually. So it's worth, you know, if Alistair's listed list that as a book on the rise of the, I think it's called the rise of the X, and it's called on the Exeter Chiefs. But um oh. but
1: Bob Baxter played, obviously played for him. Yeah. Well Baxter and his brother. Yeah. They both played against us uh uh in, in, in that team. And um let's forget the return game down at the showground and about six inches of mud. They were in seventeen, sixteen. They gave a remember of a touch of at home, but it was different down there. And then, of course, they moved to this new, this new stadium they're at now.
0: No, yeah, they did. Yeah. So you had like obviously you had people like Andy Lee came from Saracens, and he made quite an impression. Then you had sort like obviously Graham Henry came to watch a match, didn't he, at, at some point? So who was he, Who did he come and watch? Do you think? Because you'd have been playing in the second tier of uh, English rugby, and he's looking for players for the Welsh team.
1: Well, Martin Giro would be in turn a few heads, you know. He'd, he was he was a out and out sprinter on that wing, you know. But you know he, he needed to tighten down the tactical side of his game, the kicking side of his game as well when isolated. Um, that, that's what he was what doing. But as a finisher, there was nobody better really. But you know, in those days, you could, and Andy Currier, was standing for he couldn't play for Wales. You know, he would have to be obviously people in yeah. the, the world. It was a shame, um, but you know. He was he was uh, impressed by Andy, um, and, and Darren Edwards, was of course obviously came to see these guys, and really you know Graham was, was spreading his wings to see what was out there because we were having a, a successful time and obviously with some good players putting their hands up, so um, he came to watch training as well and he stayed over then that was on Thursday he stayed over Friday came on a match on Saturday, so uh, yeah it was uh, it was nice to see the national course of Wales at, at London Welsh Audio Park, you know, actually taking interest in the club.
0: And obviously you were probably laying in a bit of groundwork for yourself and your own career progression for later years, but we'll move on to that later because you're still at London Welsh. Uh, and yeah. in, the thir- in the third season, you had some challenges there because, you know, Roland left to go to Neath and took some players with him, didn't he? Like yeah. Andy Millwood and James Storey. So you made Luke Jones yeah. captain. So in, in that sort of third season, what, what was... Um, the key memories because there was some challenges with administration some of the money sort of drying up wasn't it really as well
1: Yeah, we had, we had to put a bit of a seal on things there because you know we were running away a little bit um, we still had a decent season we, we finished fifth um, I think we swapped places with Exeter um, and obviously then they went on from there but um, yeah it, it was a bit of a challenge to lose those you know those some of the, the players that you, you sort of built your team around if you like um, was was a tough old uh, gig to take, really. But look, again, they went on to, to you know to better themselves and you know bigger contracts and um, the promise of this and the promise of that. So um, we had to, we had to make do. We we did all right, uh, as I said. You know, <laughs> we finished. Uh, I think we finished fifth. Well, still not bad um, from from a team that you know a few seasons before were languishing at the bottom of the. Of Division One, so at the end of that season, then um, so I, I had to make a decision as well in a similar yeah. way. I can't I can't fault those boys. I mean, they they given everything to, the, to to me as a coach. They given everything they could to the to the Welsh club. You couldn't criticise them in any shape or form. But we still we still survived and we still went on and we still had a decent season. And that game against Northampton will 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 always in in my memory, because they'd, they'd rested a few. Alan Bateman was there at the time, and he was on the bench. Uh, Dawson and Grayson were the half-backs. They'd be on, put on the bench, rested, because England were playing the following week. Wales were playing the following week. So it's only like the Welsh, isn't it? You know, we just steamed all them. Well, Gareth, they were losing at half-time, and as we ran out the second half, they were all on. Well, not Alan. <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't stripped but they changed the halfbacks at half time and they came to, I think, 32-24 at the end, something like that. And they went on then to win the European Cup that year. It was absolutely, you know, and the place was packed. I've got a great photograph um, here where it's taken from the, the club on the balcony, looking over the ground with the place absolutely packed, you know, temporary terracing all the way around. And in, um, in the words of Max Boyce, the pubs ran dry that night I mean, the club, uh, it was just, there was no beer left. It was just a, another fantastic day at, at Aldia Park where uh, everybody thoroughly enjoyed themselves. And um, the boys really gave every ounce of energy and blood and spit they could get to that and sweat to that, that game. I remember Buster White uh, afterwards in, in the bar, with stitches above his eyebrow, drawing on his cigarette with a pint in one hand saying, oh, I enjoyed that. <laughs> you know, people like Bustoke came all again from Wasps. You know, great value to the club. Great value. Andy Lee again was another you just mentioned. You know, a diminutive, tough little number ten with a sweet little left foot. He could put into the corners. For you. Fantastic.
0: Well, he's now a sighting officer for the RFU.
1: <laughs> I, 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 yes. I, well, I phoned about when I when I heard that. I said a oh, portrait turn gamekeeper. Absolutely. So you're not serious here well I know all the tricks and the tricks so no better than me which is a fair assessment of the appointment
0: no no so you mentioned um that you then so after this season you had a decision to make and you went you went to Swansea uh and I think they had some success with Scott Gibbs in that season you went there so you and then then you went to Newport went Dragons to work and you went to work as assistant coach with Mike Ruddock is that right so yeah. was, was it? neaport went dragons, or was it before regional rugby, or was it at regional rugby time that you went to Neaport?
1: Newport went grand dragons. Then it was a, right. a bit of a multiple. Um, yeah, it, it was two thousand and three. That's right. Um, so yeah, that that was a. I, I went down because I just I done re, resat or redid my level three course because when I went to rugby league, he took that off me to i do it again. Uh, we It was in Ask and John Plumtree was now with the All Blacks, Was head coach of Swansea. Um, he was on the course, getting qualified. And the Dye Bishop was there, uh, and Nigel Davis was on it as well, and a few others. And we all had a really good time. We all got, got qualified again, and struck up a good friendship with those guys. And uh, I got a call from Plum. Would you come and uh, help me out at Swansea? So, um yeah, again, tough decision because to, I was really enjoying myself at Old Deer Park. I mean, made some lifetime friends, some lifetime memories. Um, you know, owe the club a huge amount of gratitude. Um, I was very proud to be a director of rugby at Leno So, you know, I was sitting in, in, a, in a nice position. But again, you know, your ambition takes over, and um, it's nice to get back to Welsh rugby. Let's have a go at it again John sold me sold the club to me as did the Roger Blythe and people like that and I went down and um, and helped out there and we won the championship that year so um, for the quarterfinals of Europe not just lost to Leicester at Welford Road so we had again a good season and that's when uh, Graham Henry came in and asked me to join well set up in uh, in 2001
0: so you Yeah. so you worked for Wales um, uh, on a, maybe on a part-time basis, whilst you were coaching at Swansea and then coaching at Newport and Dragons, is that right?
1: Yeah. Swansea was not just lock stock and barrel. Okay. And then I went to to Wales in two thousand one, of course. Then Graham um, left um, prematurely. Yeah. Uh, after you know a couple of bad results, and I was disappointed that that happened because he was a fantastic coach, and I learned so much from Graham Henry um hold him me in the highest esteem um of course then you know um steve Hansen took over on a short-term basis and then i was shipped out to to, to um newport Grand dragons um to help mike um what worked with in wales a yeah so um i did i did that then full-time and back and forth with wales of course then when um when Steve Hansen left and they asked Mike to do the job, he got me back there and I left the dragons uh, with him. So, so
0: so when you say shift shipped out, you mean the WIU shifted you out to Nepock and Dragons or just you and Steve Hansen didn't see see eye to eye or did, I, I, I don't I don't understand really. Is that, is that what happened?
1: Yeah, we, we well put like this, we don't send each other Christmas cards. Okay, that's no, fair but, enough.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, there's no hate mail, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Things and it's six of one after the other. I don't get us I, I don't blame this. Put my hands up on that, you know, and You're he's stubborn bugger at times. But you know, I, I sort of said my piece, and that was it. And then, of course, you say the head coach, he, it's his say. He has the final say. So, so I went out with them. We had a, we had a really good season. Of course, then, it all sort of um, found a place where Mike was. Mike and I, had a, you know, worked well together at, at the Dragons, and we had. We finished, I think it was third. We played for the championship last game against uh, Leinster at uh, at Lansdowne Road. It was all so tight. You know, I was still playing for the We were playing um, Leinster, and eventually that, I, was, I think, won at, at Strati, and they, w- they won the championship. Um, so it was really tight tight there, yeah? and of course, I, you know, I went with Wales then, and um, the 2005 season will be another Roy the this thing. You know, yeah, that, right right yeah. in my.
0: The, the, you know, a grand slam, the first one of 27 years for for Wales. Mm. So, how did you make that happen, Clive?
1: Uh, well, we did just changed a few things really, and um, I mean, I was I was the defence coach, and um, and I what I did, however, was I had 100% backing of the head coach, in Mike. You know, and I I brought in a system with the Dragons which didn't work early doors and who question it. We won one out of four in the first games, or so the first four games. And we went on this run where we were just Mercurial, both attack and defense, you know, solid. And Percy Montgomery as well as the time. We moved Percy from 15 to 13. And anyone knows the Blitz defense, knows you're 13 is a big player for even that. And we had wingers who could come in and smash people. Um, so we played a very high press defense, and we did that with Wales. Yeah, with a certain fallback in certain areas, you know, certain set pieces, we couldn't do it, like scrum. Uh, We found it easier to go up and out. So there was a bit of a mix, and players bought into it, and bingo, you know. uh, With the attacking players that we had, Dwayne Peel at number nine, orchestrating the link between the backs and the forwards. Stephen Jones at 10, who was a fantastic reader of the game. And outside that, you had... Kevin Morgan, it was flying, you know, the full-back, Shane Williams, you know, you go through it, Shanks in the centre, uh, Gavin was, Gavin at his very, very best, you know, Gareth Thomas, these guys, um, Rhys Williams, Tails, all those backs in particular, um, were, well, you know, I have left a few out there, but they could, they could turn a game on his head, you know, and um, we had the pace to move up quickly in defence and reload. And we had the pace to finish off and, and create tries of nothing. So, you know, we had a, a double-edged sword, which which really brought the, the Triple Crown back, uh, sort of the Grand Slam back to Wales uh, in that season.
0: But it all boiled down to that last game against Ireland, didn't oh. it? That, you know, that, <laughs> how nervous were you uh, as, a, as a coach Um you know, for that match then, because it's such a you know the Welsh public would have been on the edge of their seats all day, or, or, or you know, in anticipation of that game, and you there being the, you know the heartbeat of what's going on, must have been like exciting and nerve wracking for you, Clive.
1: Well, just imagine it now. You you, you sat at home uh, in the younger days watching Wales when you were a kid, you know, watching the watching the, your your idols play. Uh, then you you've actually stepped under the hallowed turf as a player, and there you are now, <laughs> sitting in the stands, you know, part of a, a, a coaching team that could win the Grand Slam for the first time in 27 years. Uh, again, it's, uh, you know, being me up, Scotty, time. you know, it's, that's, that's how you could, you just could look at it and say, you're very privileged. Uh, yes, you've, you know, you've done the hard yards yourself to get to that position, but you still feel very privileged to be there. And to see that unfold in front of you was surreal. The way the boys played. It was on the other day, Gareth. It was on in a, uh, some of the greatest games uh, was on Welsh TV. And uh, um, Caroline, the uh, model from the uh, Western Union, she texted me and said, Are you watching this? And I put it on. And even though I knew the score, I <laughs> <laughs> <what's> the... <laughs> England scored a bit late on. We made a couple of subs and we played with a six day turnaround from the Scottish game the week before. Um, we came back a little bit for ten minutes, but then we settled down and won it when it quite comfortably in the end, but getting nervous, and it all came flooding back, particularly the walk around the field at the end, you know, with the trophy and looking up into the stands, thinking, "Oh, this is outstanding," you know, you never forget those moments, and as I said, we really feel very privileged to be able to say that.
0: Now, uh, amazing memory. So that because that, that match is sort of renowned for probably that you know the Gethin Jenkins kick through and try really, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: no, 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 but look, we looked at we looked at Ogara and putting pressure on Ogara, particularly his right foot, and um, you know he you know, on his clearance kicks and, and guessing. To be fair, he carried up the game plan to the nth degree, and uh, now that he is uh, doing the defence for Wales. I think he might re- <laughs> relish it and uh, and and um, I understand the importance of of it all, um, particularly being out the first hand. But he. Again, I mentioned the backs, getting uh, Jenkins was, you know, sort of the most rounded player as a pro forward you could get as well. You know ball carrier, defender, you know, set piece. So you had all these players and it all came together so well in that one season. It was, uh, it was another, you know, if you were stellar, it was. It was uh, record-breaking, as you said.
0: But you, know, you mentioned some of those players before, like you know, Dwayne Peel, Stephen Jones. They're all coaches now, aren't they? Dwayne I mean, Peel's got going to also going to Cardiff, Stevens and, and getting involved with Wales. So, you know, and they will have learned off you and your time with Wales and, and other coaches as well. So this all you know, helps them to perform at the level they're performing now, will not it?
1: Well, you do, don't you? I mean, you, you pick the best of of the people you work with over the years, and um, you know, you've got to be your own person, but. You know, certainly I, I mentioned a lot, of pe- a lot of people in this talk who I've learned so much from, and without them, as I said, yeah, I, I wouldn't have progressed. There's no, there's no doubt about it, you know. And things that you've got to be innovative yourself. There are certain things that Graham Henry, Ray French, you know, Phil Larder, these people, Mike Riddick, and they, they all brought to the table and you think, well, that's why they've been successful. I'll have a bit of that. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll you know I'll tailor it towards my my style as well, you
0: know. But look, you know, I want to focus on the positive on this chat. But look, you said your own words. I think you went from the grand slam to the grand sham the the next year, didn't you? Really? So um, I don't know where I picked that quote from. I, 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 if it's not yours, then I'm sorry. Okay, Clive. But, uh,
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, say so, so it was like the next year, obviously within a couple of games, Mike resigned, and uh, it just went sort of belly up, really, didn't it?
1: It just ran nicely. It was slammed. Really. Yeah. yeah. But it, it was. It was. It, it was just I. I. You know. It, it. disappointed me so much that you've gone from sort of a, a hero to to this within months. You know, and it, it wasn't the course of. You had a couple of bad seasons. It was. You had a couple of bad results. You know, the year before, I don't think we had an injury. Garth, Garth was a was a bad one. Uh, he broke his arm early to Um, Gareth Thomas, that is. Um, I think, um, Reece, Reece pulled a hamstring, and uh, uh, missed, missed the Ireland game. But, uh, but apart from that, I think we had a you know a really good, healthy squad. But the following year, it was decimated. There were so many injuries, and we've got a hardcore players in, in Wales. Fortunately, you know, we, we, we're getting more, I feel, at this particular time. You, know, you go outside, you're 30, and at that particular time, and you were then going into the inexperienced group of players who were then suddenly thrown into the cauldron of Twickenham and places like that, you know? And that's what happened. Um, we didn't get the results. You know, the autumn series was, was OK, but not flash. We did play three of the best teams in the world, as well as Fiji, who weren't bad either. Um, and it was, like, it was a 2 2 split. And of course, you know, the, the loss at Twickenham, you know, losing to England hurts people more than anything. And, uh, you know, we took a bit of a touch up in, at Twickenham, and that's when all the rumble started. more
0: I think, you know, um, a lot of people talk about the season after a Lions tour as well. A lot of people get injured, a lot of players because they've been overplayed in, in that season. And obviously, if we've got less. Um, Depth than other countries, like we, like you mentioned, then it affects Wales more because we would have had quite a few players not Lions tour because it's after our Grand Slam.
1: It was, yeah. We went to um, we Canada and um, the USA at the same time as the Lions. I would just saw Lions and we like ten new caps. I think it was, you know, because ten or eleven boys away uh, because of the success that Wales had, had in the Six Nations. Yeah, so it, it all accumulated. I, I just felt it was what went on. And again, I'm not going to go into you know, the rights and the wrongs of it and the do's and the don'ts. But uh, it, it, it was wrong to me when it happened. And I looked at it and thought, well, this, this is just not right. You know, it was, uh, it was poor.
0: So you left Wales and then you had your first into Doncaster in the championships back in, was it 06, 07 at the time, yeah?
1: Yeah, around that time, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you a couple of years at Doncaster, then you had a crack at the Premiership with Worcester with Mike again, and um, and then you are back at Doncaster then for your long long stint, really like eight or, eight or nine years of coaching, where you took Doncaster from National One to top four in the Championship, the championing. So it's a, it's a really challenging for the Premiership, I suppose, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we. Uh, I got. I, came, I was coaching with Canada at the time, and um, I was also with uh, Northwich Crusaders uh, when when Doncaster Don came back in for me the second season. Uh, the, fir- the first season you mentioned, we had a really good season, finished third, we topped at Christmas, so it was a really uh, outstanding season for the club. But then I was asked to go to Worcester, and so well, I've never coached in the Premiership before, something I hadn't done. Uh, went went with with uh, Mike. Didn't work out for both of us really. Um, and then after after a bit of doing a bit of consultancy work, um, and I've got to mention Mark Lavery at um, at Amtilde. you he know, was fantastic. And Jeff Robbins up at Sedley Park, we worked with them. And then of course, while I was at Sedg, uh, Donnie came back in, and I went up went there and they were bottom of the league, and um, we couldn't stem the flow, so we took the hit, and. Again, the following season, Gareth, you know, we came bounced back up with the great help, investment of Steve Lloyd and Tony De Mulder, with the lifeblood of Doncaster Club. Never been done before. You know, you go down and you, no other team had come back up at the first attempt. But we kept the full-time squad, and <laughs> it wasn't easy because uh, you know we had some really tough places to go. You know, from Plymouth, you know, to to uh, to the north of England the tough places um, and we, we actually came through in the last game of the season and now we had to consolidate and that's what we did for the next few years and by some, 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 some um, again some, get some good recruitment, we, we got some good players on board and that's when we really pushed Bristol all the way and nearly got to the, the promised land in 2015 you Now they beat us at our place, we beat them down there but on punch difference they went through
0: so you are a man who's been in the championship, you know, a, a big part of your career really. Um and that's not without dismissing, you know, all the other places you coach across rugby league and, and, and rugby union. Um and I've seen it myself, right? You know, having followed London Welsh uh, for 20 years now. And but the the, the the championship has been underfunded by the RFU for so many years. So, you know, what what's your view on what the RFU should do with the championship? Because you know, in my opinion, the quality of the championship has, has diminished a little bit over time because you've got six pro teams and six part-time teams. So the competition is doesn't seem as strong as it once was. But that's just my opinion, Clive. You're better qualified than myself to, to answer a question like that, really.
1: Well, I, I've always... I, I said when I went to Doncaster first in 267, I, you know, I had a look at it, my first season in the championship. I, I look at the setup in England I ignore to grind I'm a Welshman at the end of the day so you know it, I'm going to tell English from union I'll give my opinion on it but I said at the time that I thought that the game in, the game in England could have housed uh, three leagues the first two leagues three leagues of 14, three, the first two leagues of 14 and um, a full time. And National One being part-time, with the promotion relegation, and that uh, you know the, the budget should have been shared out amongst those those, those, those teams uh, to provide a real strong top tier three three tiers of of the game. Uh, it never occurred, of course, um, but I still I still maintain that, and you know we're giving you more games, because when I went to Doncaster first, there were 16 teams in the championship, played 30 games. It was, it was a tough old, tough old competition. And then the, the, the next time I went, it was, it was down to 12 teams. So, um, you know, it reduced and reduced and the funding had reduced and bit by bit it has gone less and less and less. And of course, you know, some teams can't balance it all out. They can't take the, uh, the handout from the RFU uh, the sponsorship that's going to come in and uh, to put full-time squad, squads together. And that's where you've seen people like London Scottish and Nottingham now go into the part-time uh, organisation. Yeah, I do feel I'm disappointed because, I, I, you know, I've been in the Championship, Gareth, uh, with, with London Welsh and with Doncaster and spent a considerable amount of time there, it. it is a fantastic competition. It is an absolutely fantastic competition. On the standard of rugby, sometimes it is, is, is outstanding, and I just feel it's been undercut a little bit. And I do feel that they they are missing the boat somewhat. Um, there's been so many players go from the championship on this conveyor, as I said, um, into into the Premiership over the years. Um, and if they can do it in France, you can do it. You can do it over here. There's enough teams, and I, you know, I again, I don't know the ins and outs of the funding at the RFU and how the cake is split up. But I would like, to, you know, I think if you've got enough interest and you've got enough ambition in 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 the game to formulate those three really tough leagues, we have that real progression through um, to the top level of the Premiership. It is sad to see. And I think it's going to be, I think, a 5-7 split uh, if they do, you know, when, when, if and when they do resume playing.
0: Well, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? That's the, th- you know, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, they're meant to be starting in March this season. You know, I've loved watching the Championship in all the time being following London Welsh, you know, and I was going to watch Richmond and Scottish this season because it's obviously just down the road and Ealing down the road. We're sort of blessed around here to have so many clubs in the Championship, but, you know, it's definitely not as competitive a a division as it was, like, five or six years ago. And, you know, and and that's the thing that's sort of a bit galling on me because if you look at the England squad, a lot of those players will have had experience in the Championship playing on loan at Bedford or not, you know, Tom Young, you know, was at Nottingham learning to be a hooker. All these sorts of things, you know, and, you know, they need, you know, a stronger Championship helps the, the Premiership be stronger. But I just think now, with the Premiership that you know, and they'll just uh invite Saracens back in and possibly Ealing, and make it a fourteen team fourteen team league, and just with no relegation. Possibly, I just, I just with the lack of money around in World Rugby, I just think that's what the, the RFE will do now. I don't know what you think.
1: You might end up with fourteen teams anyway in the Premiership. Yeah, and you might end up fourteen teams in the Champ, and then you'll have a restructuring on the way down. Who knows what's going to happen after the pandemic as well? You know what clubs are going to be flowing.
0: Yes, look, look, you've had you've had many challenges as a as a coach, but um, because let's talk about one challenge now briefly. Um, mm-hmm. when you're in your second stint at Doncaster, yesterday, well, the untimely death of Ian Williams, which you have said yourself was the most challenging time they've ever had as a coach. Now, just to let the listeners know, um, you know. a bit of background on this Ian actually played a match for London Welsh when he came on as a pre-season friendly at Henley in 2014 but in 2017-18 he was with Doncaster and was walking to the training bridge and he had a heart attack and died instantly now Mm -hmm. Clive you you weren't there but um, obviously you were somewhere else for other reasons which you'll mention but that was a very difficult time for you and the club and obviously you know um, that saying is Ian's family as well.
1: Yeah, um, it's still pretty raw after all these years, and um, coming up to next month, February the twentieth, two thousand and seventeen. I'll never forget that day. Um, it's coming up to three years. The last two years, we've we've held a service down at the at the training ground, the players, and we've circled up and um, put a wreath down in in his great memory. Um, well, I was I was I was in a bit of background. I was I was I was down in um, in Pen Cloud, um, with, um with my sister, my my, my brother and law husband had just passed away, and um, so that's why I wasn't at the at the, at the at the training that week. We didn't have a game that weekend, so um, I left uh, Glen Kenworthy and Paul Cook to carry on with the with the training. And um, I got a call while I was down uh, in my sister's from uh, from Kendo, then Ken Worry, to say, Ian's gone. The first question was, well, Where's he gone to? And he explained to me what gone meant in the literal sense of the word. Um, it just hit me just in between the eyes. Um, you know, boy, you've signed, you've coached, you, you know, friend as well as a Look at the, all the players as friends, as, as well as, uh, you know, the players and even players. And there. And here he was. He was a young lad, 27, 28 years of age, you know, similar to the age of my own sons and gone. Uh, so, end up, I'm consoling my sister. She's consoling me. So, there's nothing else to do other than get back in the car and drive up to meet Ian's parents, who, you know, were... Uh, outstanding uh, people sort of devastated but they were outstanding on the way they conducted themselves and the uh, and, and the and the sister as well so um, you know you 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 then still got to leave Gareth you know you've still got to you got to meet the players the next next day and you know you've got to You've, got to, you've all got to dig deep because you're, you're all devastated, you're floored, you know. I wasn't there, but you had players who had seen him fall in front of them and, and pass away in front of their eyes. And, I, I, you know, you cannot, can't even think it's your worst nightmare. Um, as a parent, you know, it's your worst nightmare. But, you know, again, as, as a teammate, to see a teammate fall in front of you, um, it was the most bubbly character, great lads. And um, yeah, it, it, it was, it was so, it was so bad. I can't, can't even put an adjective to describe it. Um, everybody was affected the club in, in different ways. And the Club of Magnificent, they, they had, you know, offered help to anybody that needed it. And um, we got through it. Um, the reason we got through it, I think was because of the strength of, of, of Ian's parents. The strength that they showed, but also the strength of the club, which um, London Welsh and, and Doncaster are very similar. You know, they've you know they're a family club, and Doncaster well, from the mini juniors, the under sixes, right through up to the professional arm of the club. You know, we all rallied together, and um, everybody drew strength from each other. It 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 was the most horrendous time um the lowest point I've ever experienced in the game of rugby in both courts.
0: Yeah, a consensus is still raw the way you where you talk about it, Clive. But you know how does you know it's a it's a challenging time for you as a coach because you say you have to lead, you know, in that. So how did you get people to focus on rugby when a, a dreadful event like that happens? It's it's hard, isn't it?
1: Well Ian would would have wanted us, you know, everybody knows wean would have wanted us to get on with it. That's what he just get on with it. That's what he's, you know, and um, and that's what we did, you know, for his memory, um, and the boys, even though they put a, a brave face on it, you know, that we, we were in the top four again, uh, going for the playoffs, and um, but we won one game in seven from that point on, and. It, it just decimated everybody and, and it was a carryover to the following season as well uh, some of the boys were deeply affected by it and, and you know be in, inhumane you know cold if you weren't uh, affected by it because you know it's on your watch uh, yeah. he's he's your teammate and he's part of your playing squad and he, he's a human being and he's somebody's son and that is uh that's the overriding fact, you uh, know. You know, still we still is we 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 retired the number three sheet. Sorry, we retired number three shirt uh, that season to the end of the season, and then we uh, put a, a picture up in the changing room um, overlooking the doors you go, out. and that's now gone into the main heart of the of the of the rugby club. Coming into the uh, the concourse where most of the memorabilia are, so he'll always be remembered at, at London Welsh, uh, at, at London Welsh and Doncaster, and uh, wherever he's been. Um, in Oxford, graduate. So, you know, for us, at Donnie, it was uh, a horrendous uh, experience.
0: No, I understand that. I understand that. Look, life. Um you've finished out Doncaster. Uh, so what what's next for Clive then? Are you is that it? Hung your boots up, or are you still looking to get involved in rugby on a day-to-day level?
1: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, you know, I, I had a few things on part time. What I felt, uh, guys, I think it was t- it was time for me to leave. in um, you know, nine seasons um, could have gone for a ten, but you know it was time to leave. And I think you know. Between between myself, Steve, and Tony, we, we decided that this was the best for everybody. But I, I you know, I, I I wanted it as well because it had been a long time. Um, we would had a couple of lean seasons, not to say that they, you know, would have gented me out the door. But I think you know it's time we had you know a good lineage there. We've got a lot of um, Donny Knight's players involved um, with the amateur side and the the Colts the, the academy. And, and now with Steve Bowden, who's next player, taking over for me as head coach. So there's a lineage there and I hope it'll all continue the same values. I'm sure it will. And But it's a great family club, as I said. And um, I'm looking forward to um, doing something again. Um, I had things organised on a part-time basis, but obviously COVID has as evaporated all that. Yeah. So we just wait for the day that you can get the injection in my arm and feel a bit safer going out, and hopefully, something will crop up that um, I can just start shouting from the touch lines again and get that tracksuit on and have a, and have a good dig with, with the lads, you know, and a good crack. That's the best thing I miss more than anything is uh, is that camaraderie. And, and there's nothing like winning with a team, is there? Nothing oh, no. like it at all. Um, and uh, you know. London Welsh has been a massive part in that journey. There's no, absolutely no doubt about that.
0: Look, no matter where you go, I know you'll add value wherever you go, Clive. Look, look when we look back at your career, I just want to know what sort of memories do you have of your time at London Welsh? You know, what really, what's your whole dear about that time?
1: Well, I think I just, I think I mentioned it earlier about, you know, the lifelong, the lifelong, um, lifelong friendships and, uh, and those memories, uh, that I have with with London Welsh, um, and the huge gratitude as I said to, to the individuals I've mentioned, uh, Morlice and Terwin and people like that, you know, and and, and Jan is his his wife, who's again uh, sadly left us, But all these were fantastic people. Um, and, and the character around it, you know, the uh, David Thomas was manager, t- uh, club manager, you know. It was all interactive all the time, you know, hardly a bad word spoken. Um, and we all wanted the same thing. We all wanted the club to, to flourish on and off the field. And it was all for a common goal. Um, Paul Beacon, again, you know, if you just look at the role of honour that's in most boards, the names up there are synonymous with, with, with greatness in, in, in the game. Just looking at some of the past captains, you know, like Dorsey and, and people like that. So, it, 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 was, it was very privileged, as I said to you, and I'm very proud to be, to be the director of rugby for those, those three years. And, you know, it, it definitely was a launchpad for me uh, going forward, uh, being indebted to, as I said, for, particularly to Kelvin, on um, the board and, and everybody associated with the club for, for helping me along the way. Uh, they were immense help to me, 100%.
0: That's great to hear. Great to hear. Look, Clive. Look, stay safe. Stay well. Good luck with whatever comes next. And please come and visit us at Old Deer Park. Come to a pre-match lunch. Come and sit in the stand. Watch, watch a, watch a game, and just come down and visit us. There'll be lots of people who want to say hello and to see how you are and have a, you know, have a drink and stay with us, isn't it? So.
1: Well, I, I, I definitely will. Uh, if I'm not involved, then the only problem is if you get involved, you're on a Saturday, but. I'm not involved on a weekend, I we can get down there. Certainly will. I, I promised Calvert I would. I mean, I'm on the chats with him. um, and get it down there. And well, I've spoken to Kai recently. So, Kai Griffiths and Kai Griffiths. <laughs> uh, i see if I can run water and if I come down next time, <laughs> myself, uh, a bit more at home. But, no, i I I'd love to. And, um, you know, thank you again to everybody uh, who can remember the times and uh, the good times we had. Um, I must mention Ron Hawley as well um, before I go. I know I'm sorry if I have left somebody out, but Ron's not um, well at the moment. I just hope he gets a bit better and um, get down and see everybody again. and uh, It'd be like walking into the time capsule again. And it,
0: no, it's silly. Again. yeah, no, it's silly. <laughs> well, the price is maybe a bit more expensive than 20 years ago, Clive. But look, it's the same. The same warm welcome you'll get at Old Park. I'm sure. Look. <laughs> Take care, look after yourself, and we'll see you soon, okay? Thank you very much for your time.
1: Pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.